I guess that's just the way it is, right? What are you gonna do? Can't can't do nothing about it. I could stand. That's why I bring tall people. I can stand on their shoulders. <laughs> take you back ride. Yeah, just yeah. How tall? How tall is the big man over here? He's like six five. Oh, you're six five, six six. Damn. Six six. Yeah. We rolling? We're good. Rolling, rolling, rolling. All right. Well, you know, today we're joined by uh, Sean Frankel, aka the Freak Show. And when I was uh, getting into powerlifting and um, like not even getting into it, but getting deeper into powerlifting, uh, Sean was on top of his game with Big Iron Jim and Rick Husey. They uh, had some great execution with a with a team of lifters that that were just dominant from the 165 class, I think all the way through to maybe even all the way up to 275 with Grandic doing 275 and 242, right? Yeah. So just some uh, really unbelievable lifts uh, that Sean did in the past, the 1,055 squat, an 875-pound bench, and a 780-pound deadlift. And I did hand off that 875-pound bench, <laughs> right? That's right. I got to take credit for something around here, right? It's like that piece of paper you're handing Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. But it's amazing to have him here. Uh, Sean is somebody I looked up to for a long time, even though he's a lot shorter. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try to uh, break a world record for as many short jokes as possible. I'm still taller than Ed Cohen, by the way. I just want to put that out there. Eddie, where are you at, buddy? <laughs> oh yeah, you knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little Eddie. He just happens to be the greatest lifter of all time. That's all yeah, he can hang on to. That's it. Just the best. <laughs> Simply the best. Simply the best. But you know we're gonna we're gonna go all old guy on you guys today, and we're gonna reminisce about the uh, you know about how we had to go uphill both ways to the squat rack and things like that today. But I'm really excited to have you here, and just it's uh it's awesome. So let's just get to it. How did this uh how this whole lifting journey start? How'd you get started with lifting? Period. Really, I just at a young age, you know, uh, it seemed like I always had friends that were a little bit older, and. Uh, buddy down the road for me you know he was into lifting he was you know probably four years older than i was so i lived on on a lake at the time so we were always outside doing something you know physical activity wise and uh he had some weights and he was lifting he's like hey come up here and try this out and it was a bench press mm. so i'm like all right you know we put on a little bit of weight and did it. It those old concrete you know plates yeah plastic concrete ones and you know i got up to like 135 pounds i was probably like 12 years old you know i was pretty young right and he's like dude you're pretty strong for a young guy you know young kid and i'm like okay well maybe this is something i can be good at or whatever and, right. and he, he added a weight up and told me what i'd bench or whatever and so i'm thinking oh man i wonder if i could do more so like we did it every day <laughs> you know and every day i'm like i'm gonna try and beat that you know <laughs> you don't awesome. know what you're doing you're like yeah, this was fun. I'm good at it. Let's do it every day. <laughs> a lot of sense. But uh, so that's kind of how it got started. And from there, it was just, I wanted to beat him. Right. And he's like four years older than me. And I'm it. thinking, yeah, I want to beat this guy. So it, you know, and then as you get older and you're into sports and whatnot, you know, it's just, it was a, for me, it was like a stress reliever too. Right. So it's like, this is something I could even get my own weight set, have it my own house and leave some, relieve stress and. It's something positive. Where did you grow up? I lived uh, in McCook Lake, South Dakota. Mm. So it's like kind of a tri-state area of Iowa, Nebraska, South right. Dakota. Play football so, or do any other sports? Yeah, played football, uh, wrestled, track, 
I did hockey a little bit, mm. a little bit of everything. Right. But, uh, but lifting kind of always kept kind of being the uh, constant thing that would kind of pull you back in, huh? Yeah. That was the thing that, I mean, I just loved doing it. So, I mean, like even after football practices, you know, I'd be like the, me and one of my buddies were like the only ones that we'd get done with conditioning and everything. We're like, well, let's go work out now. And everybody's <laughs> like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> right. What do you want to do that for? Like everybody else is ready. To yeah. Do. Like we're dead and yeah. you guys are in there bench pressing. So, you know, I just enjoyed doing it. Right. So, you know, so my goal, I kind of had like a, a goal. I wanted to be able to bench 315 before I was a freshman. Mm. And so I was only like 135, 40 I was going to say, what did you weigh? That's I was, amazing. I was a lot taller back then. It's hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, I ended up doing that before my, uh, before my freshman year. I wanted to do it before high school. Mm. And at that point I was like kind of cool with it because it's like three plates. It's just something right. everybody wants to do, yeah. you know? So it's like, I didn't really try to see what I could do after that really i just wanted to be able to maintain that mm. while i was doing other sports especially with wrestling and stuff i mean you don't have any energy or you know you feel like weak right but yeah so that's kind of where it kind of started and then throughout like you know my sophomore junior senior year then there there was actually powerlifting meets in high school mm. so like you could enter them and it was that was the first time i was doing like these meets right competitively but still not knowing what i'm doing i'm like oh, i got a deadlift like two times before this meet you know it's like i you didn't know what you're really right. doing you just this is fun let's try it out was there a coach or someone that kind of pointed you in that direction like football coach or somebody who was like hey you should try this or we really didn't we didn't really have anybody coaching us it's just uh one of the head schools in town that was one of the best athletic programs right. they had they put out these little flyers saying hey, we're gonna have this powerlifting meet to mm -hmm. all the local schools around and so i just signed up for the first one and just enjoyed it mm -hmm. So I'm like, man, I'm going to do every one of these I can do. And it kind of started with that. What kind of weights were you lifting? I mean, like I said, like I was benching, I mean, benching 300. I always, I'm like, I cannot do less than 300 pounds in a meet, even with, with with a pause, like even back then. Right. But, you know, I was just squatting maybe like a little over 400 pounds at that time. Mm -hmm. And same thing with my uh, deadlift. It was just a little like mid 400 to close right. to 500, even at that time, which you know, you don't know what you're doing. There's no programs. There's just like, you just do it. <laughs> just lifting for fun. Just beating yeah. the crap out of yourself for the fun of it. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, what did you do after uh, after high school? Did you go to college or what nope, was the route I after that? Didn't go to college. I just started working. Um, and, and that's one of the things. I still wanted to be competitive in something. So it was like, this is something, a sport that I can still be competitive in, even though I'm not going to college. And, you know, I, I was gonna go and play football and that's when i had my son and so there was so much stuff going on and i was so young when it all was happening that it's like no man you just got to go to work and and start growing up fast right so then i'm like well i could still power lift that's a sport i could still do you know it doesn't matter how old you are you can do it forever if you want right so that's when i started getting into kept on doing it um, even outside of town you know they had that's when like in Nebraska, there was always quite a few powerlifting meets, and you know Rick. That's how I came across Rick and Big Iron. Is going to Omaha doing these powerlifting meets, so I kind of ended up hooking up with them after a couple meets, and that's when I kind of got into the direction of training with Big Iron. <clears throat> what um what do you think you were getting from powerlifting? Because you know you might have some people. You just kind of mentioned finances, like got to grow up quick and got to figure out a way to start making money. Um, 
and you've made some money through powerlifting. You've had sponsorships, and you've also won some cash and stuff. But it's like definitely not a not a not a lit very no. far from making a living off no. of just making money from powerlifting. So, you know, aside from you know winning some cash here and there, um, what what do you think what you were getting from powerlifting that just kept you determined to to stay with it? I think it was just I was so focused on wanting to be the best at something. And it's like, you ever hear, it's like when you, somebody says, uh, if you want something done, ask somebody that's busy because it'll get done. <laughs> and it's kind of like that. It's like. <laughs> I love that it, quote. That's it, a great one. It's true. It's, yeah. it's like, because you have a plan. <laughs> right. And when you're seeking Somebody that out, ain't got shit going on, they're, they're going to yeah. be like, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow ain't never going to come. Yeah. It's just, that's just the way it is. And when you're on a plan and you're on a mission and you're accomplishing things, it just kind of spirals into wanting more and wanting to do more. And, and so like, I had a focus, I had a focus and I felt like I had a purpose and I was on a mission to accomplish something. And it was a big goal. I'm like, man, I want to be the strongest in the world. And that's just, and I believed in my brain that, that that's what I'm going to do. And at that time, at that age, I mean, I was far off from that, but it was like seeking out, how am I going to get there? And I was determined that that is going to happen. That was a goal early on was to be was, the strongest. Yeah, as soon been, as you kind of like started powerlifting, you were like, I want to be the best at this. I had some other friends that were quite a bit older and they were big guys and lifting real heavy weight, uh, you know, lifting over 500 raw benches. And mm -hmm. I mean, some guys that were pretty decent in the sport and I know those are the guys and I'd kind of want to work out with those guys. Cause it's like, yeah. man, these guys are stronger. I want to work out with these guys and I'll get stronger. And I didn't never got, I never understood the people that like don't want to train with you because you're stronger than them. Right. I'm like, man, I want to train with someone stronger than me all the time because then I will get stronger. But anyway, I was training with a guy and, and he was a big guy and lifting big weights. And I, man, I'm with, training with him. I want to get somewhere. And I remember leaving his house one night and he had everything in his basement, you know? Mm. And I'm like, man, you might think I'm crazy. I said, but I'm going to be one of the strongest people in the world one day. I said, I'm going to do it too. And he kind of just, you know, looked at you like anybody would it when you're that age and probably, yeah, whatever, this kid's nuts. Right. But hey, good. it's okay to think that way, you know? <laughs> right, right. In my head, I was convinced it's just a matter of time, you know? <laughs> and just kept on it, kept being consistent. So, I mean, that drive of feeling like I'm going to achieve something and it's just a matter of when and not veering. I mean, I think a lot of people get on a plan and then they start going a different direction or they don't, they're not really all in on their plan. Right. And I wanted to be all in on this. Did you know exactly what it meant at that time when you said you wanted to be like the strongest in the world? Like what, what was the, you know, was there somebody that you were gunning for or was it the strongest that you can be? Was it the strongest of all time or was it the strongest for the time? Like, what were you, like, did you have a specific goal? Cause I know for myself, like when I had goals when I was younger, I was like, oh, I want to do this, but it was like kind of general. And then as I got closer, then it got more specific. What I was, I just was always thinking about pound for pound. I'm thinking about pound for pound, what I can lift over my body weight. I want to be the strongest. Mm. And that is what I wanted of all time. And cause I always. You ended up doing like, you were the first person to ever squat over five times body weight, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amazing. A, a, a thousand fifty five squat. And did you do that two twenty or one ninety eight? One ninety eight. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Most of the time when I was two twenty, I, I really didn't weigh two twenty. Mm. I mean, it was hard to get to two twenty. I yeah. was between two fifteen, two seventeen, hanging around in there. Right. Even when I was trying to be two twenty. 
once you started to achieve some of these things, um, did like, uh, was that good enough or like what happened then? Cause like, you know, you set a goal and, uh, you know, somebody might set a goal to like make a certain amount of money. Like, Oh, I want to make, I would love to make six figures someday. And then they get there and then they, the next year they don't want to make less. So what oh. happens when you, when you, or did you not really ever feel like you ever even accomplished your goal? Well, I, I just think like when you say somebody's the best at something, it's like, there's a lot of different ways of looking at it. And, uh, like one of the ventures I looked up to was Ryan Kennelly. Absolute um, savage. Ryan Kennelly, I mean. He was an animal. The thing about Ryan is, is he was very consistent. Yeah. So like, you knew this guy was going to get one in. He wasn't going to go and maybe bomb out half of them and you know he's very consistent so like when you think about being the best i thought about you can't just maybe hit it one time and say mm -hmm. okay i was on top one time and then you got to defend your title just like ufc fighters man to be yeah. the best man you can't just get there one time i mean you didn't really hold your spot you know right, right. so to me it's like well, getting there was step one and now being able to stay on top that's going to be able to tell if you're a real champion and then you have pressure against you you know there's a lot of pressure it's like being able to stay on top so, I mean, like, there's a lot of different avenues I thought about when I was there. And then, like, thinking, well, who's coming up next that maybe you don't know about? Mm. Like, there's going to be somebody. It's just a matter of time. There's always somebody else that's going to come and beat your numbers. It's just a matter of time. So, it's like putting my mind into a different thinking mechanism. Mm. Like, okay, so I need to, I got to keep going here because somebody's going to do this. It's just, you just can't see them yet. So you got to kind of open up your mind to that. And I almost like was scared of the person that I haven't met yet. <laughs> right. And I thought about that during meets, you know, somebody else is going to come in this body. Well, he's going to do more than you. I'm like, man, I better get going. Did you think about that kind of stuff in training as well? Kind of push oh, yeah. you through those extra sets, those extra reps. I mean, it gets to be really nerve wracking. You're handling, you know, 800 pounds, 900 pounds in the bench, handling 900 to a thousand pounds almost every week in the squat. And you need, you need something, right? You need like, it can't just be a coach. It can't just be the team. It's like, you need something on the inside. It's really shoving you towards that goal. Yeah. It's something to fuel you to, to want to keep excelling instead of kind of staying stagnant. Right. Plateauing. And, you know, I had great training partners. I mean, and I had training partners that were strong. I mean, Jim Grandick, I mean, Justin Redding and uh, Justin Grouse. I mean, I had a lot of guys that were squatting a thousand pounds. I mean, benching, you know, Brad Heck, even at a lighter body weight, um, Richie Briggs, I mean, Jimmy, I mean, guys that were pound for pound, they were doing crazy numbers benching, you know, and same with them. I mean, I had a lot of good training partners mm. and I, the, the best coach. Right. And he knew how to get under your skin. He knew the things to say to you <laughs> that would fire you up, you know? And so those things, he knew how to really fuel you. To, to bring out the best. In With you, you, know? you, did he use like positivity or did he use like negativity? He was positive. Yeah. I mean, when I grew up, like I grew up with negative. Mm. Like my dad was like, one of the reasons why I really powerlifted and, and wanted to keep doing some of the numbers is my dad would kind of put it in ways where like, well, you'll never be able to put that over your head. From just when I first lifted weights, like that time I benched 135 as a 12-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, but you'll never be able to put that over your head or you'll never be able to do more. And I hated that. When somebody told me I couldn't do something, oh man, I hated it. It just, I hated it so bad. So I was determined that that's exactly what I'm going to do. And he knew that. He was just kind of using it against me at the right, time. Right. And it worked, 
but you know, it could be a done in a different way. And that's where Rick would do it as a positive way. And he would tell you, I know that you're the best and you're going to do these things. And he'd fire you up in a different way. And he believed in you so much that it's just like, Oh, Rick said it. I must be able to do it. I mean, like you really yeah. believed that you could do anything he said. So that I fed off of even better. Yeah. Your story with Rick Husey, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of like Rocky and Mickey or uh, Tyson and like custom auto. Like Tyson said that no one ever believed in him. No one ever gave him a shot. And then here was this old man that for some reason believed in him. And he just thought like, man, like together, like we're, we're indestructible. Is that yeah. kind of the way you felt going that's, to these meets? Dude, that's the way I felt being around Rick. Yeah. Just his presence. I mean, you were around Rick too, so yeah. you get it. Yeah. I mean, Rick wasn't some softy. I mean. <laughs> He's a real yeah. hard ass. I yeah. mean, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, like if you could, if you really got to know him, I mean, when you first meet him, if you could kind of imagine like an old gangster guy, like maybe back in the 1950s, <laughs> you know, he wore that hat with yeah. uh little like what is that little golf type of you know hat whatever those things yeah, were right i mean he was kind of like old school gangster looking and i mean the guy's got shot like three times i mean <laughs> he's he's rough you know i mean the guy's <laughs> right. been around and then you get to know him better and then he's rough around the edges but man he's like all in for you right and that's the thing with rick too i mean it's like if i mean he's he's one of the few guys i was just like man if this this guy's like the same all the time <laughs> Like, he's not, like, this way around this person, this oh, okay. way around this person. I mean, if this guy, is, he's, like, he's solid all the time. And that's why he'd also get pretty pissed off if you told him you were going to do something and you didn't do it. Right. He, he took that pretty hard because, like, he didn't understand that. He's like, man, if I say we're doing this, we're doing this. Unless we're dead, we're doing this. That's just how he was. But So, you, and you know, because you, you were around him. Yeah. He was hardcore. But, man, the guy, man, he just made you feel invincible at the same time. He made you feel like. And you could do anything. Remember, you know, we'll probably get into this later, but when he came out and had the cancer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here he is. He's like 50-something years old. And one night, we all went out and leaving this bar. Then, you know, Rick had that mustache, you know? Yeah. Leaving, leaving this bar, and this guy says, nice mustache. And he's like standing over here where you were. Rick turns around this way just punches this dude punches him right in the jaw dude knocks the guy out he's like you just got knocked out by a 50 year old guy with cancer <laughs> and these guys and then the guy this bouncer come up maced him and everything it was a mess but <laughs> oh, shit. but it's like rick was ornery but i mean he was 100 percent in for you though jesus he's he's ornery <laughs> yeah he was uh he was a fighter that's for sure um so like the you know, the training methods obviously were a big part of what was going on at, at Big Iron. Um, but it, it must have been just the team itself, too, must have been really a, a big driving force. When you see somebody else squat a thousand, then it kind of opens up that side of your brain that, that, that thought maybe that wasn't possible. And you mm -hmm. see other guys that are lighter body weight starting to bench 700, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I've just bench 650. Like maybe, yeah, okay, that could be me. Like if I just work hard, if I'm consistent. I could probably figure a lot of these things out. How much of a factor was that? Just that, that camaraderie, having that team support around you? I think it was huge. I mean, when you're around so many people that all you can, you're all so close to each other. I mean, who wants to be last? So if the next number is 700, if it is 800 and you're all close to it right now, you're going to, 
I don't want to be the last one there. I want to be the first one there. I mean, right. and every, all of us were that way. So then you got Rick as a coach where you believe you can. So you put all that together and that's what makes it great. Okay. You guys were, were probably starting to get very competitive with each other, right? Oh yeah. And Rick probably played into that. He probably oh, liked he, that. He loved it. Oh, he <laughs> loved it. Yeah, for sure. He, he knew how to push your buttons and each person different, differently. He, he like knew what to say at the right last second when you're going to about to pick it up. Tom was still kind of piss you off, you yeah. know? And he's like, man, I get, I'm doing this. And he <laughs> right. almost forgot about the weight. So then you did do the number and it's like, oh, we got another guy that just hit this new record. And that might be right. a new hundred mark, you know? When I was at uh, Westside Barbell, I remember Louis Simmons was really good at that kind of stuff where he would, he would mention what another lifter was doing um, to bring up their, you know, to bring up a weak point or to bring up their bench. And they just, and you just saw them bench like 25 more pounds than you or something. And you'd be like, oh yeah, you know, John Stafford over there, he's been doing, you know, uh, rolling tricep extensions. And he's, you know, I told, I, he's like, I, I told you about it a few weeks ago, but you're not doing them. And then you just like walk away and you'd be like, fuck, I, all right, I gotta, I gotta get my shit together. I gotta just start get doing in their this. head. Yeah. And then you're just thinking like, and next thing you know, like the whole gym is doing that exercise. Like he, yeah. he figured out a way to get everybody to, uh, to buy into the whole system and to buy into exactly what he was doing. Those two seem like they would be related almost like Louie <laughs> right. and Rick. They'd seem like they're from the same mold almost, you know? Right. <clears throat> How'd you get your mind prepared for some of these lifts? You know, a thousand, you know, a thousand fifty squat and a eight hundred seventy-five pound bench press. How, how did, how did that, like, how did that happen? I don't know. Honestly, I just, I, I wanted to. My fear was not living up to my potential. And I remember, like, one weekend, I was talking to Brian Carroll on the phone, and I'd already squatted a thousand plus, you know, and I'm like. And what if I could squat 1,100 pounds, but I just haven't done it because my brain is being, you know, I'm, I'm okay with where I'm at. <laughs> right, right. And that weekend, I went I love and squatted this. 1,105. That weekend. <laughs> and it's like, why wasn't I thinking about this a long time ago? Right. It's like, you can get stagnant because you're just, you're satisfied. Right. And it's like, and you can, that's, your thinking is what can hold you back more than anything. You're like, you can change your way of thinking and thinking differently than everybody else. That's probably one of the most dangerous tools combined with somebody that believes in you. You put those two together, it's like, you'll see some people do some crazy stuff, no matter what it is. I'm not even right. talking weightlifting. I'm, it doesn't matter if it's business, if it's whatever it is. You put those combinations together and <laughs> crazy stuff can happen. How how long do these workouts take? I mean, you know, if if um, if I'm thinking back to, uh, you know, some days where, you know, maybe I used uh, 300 pounds as like a working weight, well, you know, it, it takes a, a little bit to warm up, but you might use the bar, might use 95 pounds and so on. There's a small progression to get to 300 pounds. You get to 300 pounds, do a few working sets and you're in and out of the gym and you do some, a couple assistance exercises and maybe it took you 40 minutes. How long are these kind of workouts, how long are these workouts taking you guys? Well, we had so many people doing it too with, with the team, you know? So, I mean, it would take a good two and a half hours to get through squat yeah. bench it's gonna take you two and a half hours for sure uh to get everybody through it you know and then you're still doing assistance work even after that right but it's kind know. of your job and your priority too that that the other guys get through um really well also that they get coached yeah. and they get attention and they you know if they need their knees wrapped or whatever it is that they need you need to kind of that's what being a team's about right you can't just 
be off like posing in the other room or whatever. No. I mean, Rick did a really good job of keeping everybody. He humbled you. I mean, he made you always stay humble. I mean, even when some of the lifters started getting good and breaking these records, man, he brought you right back down to reality. I mean, if you're up, we'll focus on you. If you're not up, you're either loading, you're helping, you're spotting, you're doing something. And he just, he kept that mentality always. So that's what a team is. Right. I mean, if you just do your set and then you're off screwing off over there, dude, guess what? When you're up next, no one's going to help you. And you're going to see how you like that. I mean, he yeah. he put it on you like that. You know right. what I mean? Don't help him. I mean, he just straight up in front of everybody. Don't help that guy. You don't want to help anybody else? You're not getting help. I mean, he just called it how it was. <laughs> right. And he was just real. And he didn't care who it was. It didn't matter who it was. Right. So. Well, team gets the message real quick after that, right? Oh, yeah. And, and, and for the most part, I mean, everybody really did do a good job working together. Especially when you have people that are all from just different ways of life. Right. I mean. You got convicts over here <laughs> and you got like, like doctor psychiatrists over here. I mean, we had. Is there people. regular people in that gym? I mean, there's. there's oh, yeah. If you call right. them that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I ish, mean, yeah. <laughs> if you call them regular people, I mean, but when you had this common denominator, I mean, if you didn't have powerlifting, half of these people would have never met each other. Right. But because of powerlifting, these people all came together because they had that one thing in common. And then it was like one big family dysfunctional kind <laughs> right. of family but it it made it interesting that's for sure what do you think you're most proud of in your powerlifting career in my powerlifting career depends on how you how you put it but it's different than probably what you'd expect because i consider my powerlifting career as soon as really i started walking into big iron that's when i met rick mm -hmm. and my proudest moment really was when rick came down with cancer and um when i know he wasn't really gonna make it i mean dude he was like he would be like you guys need to tell me what meat you guys want to do because i gotta schedule my next chemo and i'll do it around you guys meat. Jesus. and we're like are you kidding me i'm like rick no that's not how this works <laughs> i mean it doesn't work that way but um is when uh you know i shared my faith with rick several mm -hmm. times and, you know, we described how, what kind of guy he was. He was hard. Right. But over the period of, you know, 10 years, me and him really kind of developed a, a different bond and uh, closeness. And, uh, you know, when he was getting down to the last couple months, I remember him calling me up. And, you know, he, he had the cancer and it went uh, in remission for a while. And then that second time when it came back, mm -hmm. he's like, he called me up and he's like, man, dude, I can't go through this again, man. I got to go through all this stuff over again. I got to do all this treatments to me again. He's like, man, I can't do this again. And that's not Rick, man. Mm. He's not, he doesn't say that to anybody. Right. He would never let anybody know that. Um, but when, uh, but when that happened, you know, I knew this is not good. And I remember one time I was in my car, I was, uh, or in my truck, I was in my work truck and I was, uh, going to a chiropractor appointment and he calls me and he's like, Hey, uh, what do you think, uh, how do you get into that Mayo Clinic? You know how Rick talk. He's like, mm -hmm. how do you, he's not going to tell you really how he feels. Either, you know, he's going to be like, so how do you, how do you get into that Mayo Clinic thing you were talking to me about? And really he's saying, dude, I'm about to die. I need help. Yeah. But he's not going to say it like that. And I'm like, I'm sure you have to go through your family doctor. And, you know, I go, man, let me call you back. I got to go to this appointment. I'll call you back. So I go up there and I'm in my appointment and uh, all of a sudden, 
I get a little pissed off. I'm right in the middle and they're working on me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I got to get out of here. I'm done. And I'm kind of pissed off because I'm thinking. And I've explained to Rick a lot of times about his faith and like, I mean, you got this cancer and that's, I'm concerned about that. Very concerned about it. But um, what's more, I'm more concerned about is your faith and like where, what's going to happen to you when we all, you're going to pass at some point in time. Right. And I want to know that you're going to heaven. So I know I need to know that you're going to have a relationship with God. To me, that means a lot. And so he's my best friend. I should probably share this with him. Right. And I talked to him about this several times. So I'm thinking, man, this guy's not getting this. He's looking for something else again. He's looking for somebody else to fix him. And how many times have I talked to him about this? Right. So I leave this doctor's office. I go down in my truck. I get on my phone and I call him. Rick doesn't call people, by the way. So like he don't, he's not going to call you. So when he calls you, then there's something wrong. Right. So like he, when, you know, so anyway, so I go and I call him. And as soon as he answers the phone, I kind of scold him. I'm like, when are you going to get this through your head, man? No doctor's going to heal you. It's just not going to happen that way. I go, I want you to have peace about whatever happens. I want you to have peace about what's going on. So you need to give it to God. And I want to know where you're going. And, you know, I had that talk with him. It was just quiet. He didn't even respond to me. I'm like, hello? (laughs) I'm like, you there? And then he's like, yeah, standing in this church right now. I just pulled over on the side of the road. And I'm like, I got feel a little bit more comfortable if you went to a place that like somebody I knew, you know, and and, uh, like a pastor that I knew, you know, and I go, Hey, how about this, man? I'll set it up with you. I know a pastor that my brother goes to church down there and he's just a super good guy. I'm like, how about we go sit down and have a talk with him? He said, yeah, I'll I'll be up for that. So like two days later, I come down to Omaha. We go and have this talk with this pastor and it just has a really good talk because he was really uneasy, man. Like, it's like he knew this wasn't gonna yeah. he wasn't gonna make it man and so he was living under stress and worry and you could just feel it off him and that is not rick that is not the tough rick that you know and he was worrying man he had that like the feeling that would come off him like he's just not rick anymore and i didn't want him to have that in his last days i did not want him to go out like that you right. know i want him to be at peace where he was so we went and talked to this pastor and he really you know explained some things to him that really made sense to rick in in his faith I think half of it was really, I mean, I think part of him accepting his life, God into his life was, I think he felt bad about his own things he's done in his life mm. and it was hard to give them up and like, man, I can't be forgiven for these. It's not, there's no possible right. way. But when he actually understood that he could and he did. Yeah, you don't have to be perfect. You know, no one is. No one is, man. Right. And uh, I remember the pastor, you know, kind of led him through the sinner's prayer and he, and he did it. And uh, afterwards... He said, hey, man, what's, he goes, what's the hardest part about this for you? Like thinking maybe you make it, not make it. And he's like, he's like all these people at the gym, they need me. And I don't know what will happen to them if, if I'm gone. Yeah. And he didn't want to, he was scared for them to maybe go back to their old ways. We had a lot of people that he kind of held together, man. He was yeah. like, it was a dysfunctional family, but he kind of held them together. And with him there, it kind of held together. And without him, he, he didn't know what happened to him, you know, so right. it was selfless. But, you know, we went and ate afterwards and he goes, man, I just feel so much better knowing where I'm going now. And I just, I feel good. I goes, man, he goes, I feel like I got all the late weight just lifted off me now. And so for me, that was yeah. my best powerlifter moment. That's cool. That's awesome. I mean, you just put him at ease with, you know, what, what, what is, uh, you know, potentially going to happen. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, 
I think it's a it's an important thing for people to understand that like there's going to be bad things that come your way, you know, and and it's great to be accepting of the good that comes your way, you know. That's right. But you have to kind of know that like both things are there, and each person is going to be a little bit different on what is what allows them to get through that. Yeah. For somebody, for for a lot of people, it might be their faith, right? Yeah. But you need something. Yeah. You need something that that allow that allows you to kind of hold it together. Because what are we going to turn to when something bad happens? We're going to turn to drugs or alcohol or doing stuff that we're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. And heading down a road that we're not supposed to be heading down. So. I think that's awesome. I think it's great that you were able to share that message. And people, people sometimes get weird. You talk about religion or you talk about, mm-hmm. you know, there's certain things in life that people get uncomfortable with. Yeah. Um, I've talked about it before on here. I don't talk a lot about religion on here, but I believe in God. And my, my parents are, are very, very religious. Um, maybe when I'm older, maybe I'll be more, maybe I'll be more religious. Maybe I'll want to start to go to church or some, some of those things. But, you know, for each person, it's like a personal thing yeah. that they, they can kind of, you know, um, have their own standard for, right? Yeah. And, uh, but it is important to like, just, I, I talk to people all the time on here about, you should be having conversations with yourself, which sounds crazy, but you should know where you stand. You know, you should know where you stand. Like, do, like what, do you have a relationship with God or not? And whatever that is, just determine what that is for you. And that's fine. Yeah. And then move on like the next couple things that you have to think about. What are these, what is something that you uh, want to do? What's a goal that you have? What's something that you want to, maybe you, maybe you want to get married someday. Like maybe you want to, uh, you know, bench 500 pounds, like whatever these things are, they, you have to have a conversation with yourself about it. You have to set a goal for it. Once you set a goal, then your actions have to start to match up to whatever that goal was whatever that thing is. And so I think it's, I mean, that's amazing that you shared that message with him and, um, you know, hopefully that, that, uh, helped on his way out and he suffered less, you know, because he, he had a, a new belief and a new perspective, right? Yeah. He, you know, at that point after that happened, it was only like two months went by and then he, he passed, but, uh, yeah. but you could tell he was, um, he was not worried. He wasn't worried about where he was going. He wasn't worried about anything. He was just, uh, he was at ease. Right. And it's like, man, who would want that for anybody to live their last days just panicking and worrying and anxiety? Mm. Like, they sh- nobody should have to have that, you know. And for right. me too, and my own selfish reasons, I guess. I mean, it kind of helped me. Like when he did pass, um, knowing that you know I'm, I'll see him again someday. Right. I will reunite with him at some point in time, and that kind of helped me mm-hmm. deal with it as I was getting through it too. Right. You know. What was it like after he passed? Must have been tough. I well, mean, man, you guys was, all have that gym together. It was tough. I mean, I remember like the day when he passed. That it was late at night, and uh, it was like two, three o'clock in the morning. I had had my phone shut off, so like they were trying to call me, um, but my phone was off, and I'm in Sioux City, so I'm like an hour and a half away. So I remember it was the next morning, my wife got up to take the kids to school, and she left. I'm still in bed, and she came home she came home after she dropped the kids off at daycare she just came back home normally she goes to work she came back home and just she walked into the bedroom and i saw her face i knew something was wrong yeah and so i like jumped up and she's like um she said rick's name and then she started like crying and so man i'm like jump up i grab my 
jeans, man, I'm throwing my clothes on. I'm like, we got to go. I got to go help. Something's going on. I got to get out of here and go help. And then she's like, you know, he's gone, you know? And I was just right. like, oh, it was like, not for real, you know? Yeah. And then uh, it just, it, it felt not real for a long time. And then like, even going down to Big Iron and trying to like kind of force something that it was just not the same. I mean, everybody at the gym, I mean, gosh, it was, you know, man, everybody lost him. It wasn't one person that lost yeah. him. It was a whole team. It was a, a best friend. It was, it was, he was so much to so many people. I mean, it was just, it was never the same after that, you know, and not nowhere it should be. You know, and, right. and it, it's okay that it's it's not, you know, but so it just kind of just kind of windled away and everybody kind of went their own ways doing different things and it caused some feuds and mm. and stuff, which is, which kind of stinks, you know? Yeah. But, you know, now I think everybody's well, there's doing gonna be, their thing. Everyone's going to have their own view of like what yeah. he would want and yeah. it's hard to figure out and you're like, well, he's not here. So, he, you know, it's like, shit, man, I don't know what he would want and he's, you know, he's not around anymore, right? Yep. And yeah it's it's it doesn't matter at that point you know mm -hmm. I, I did everybody you know a lot of people giving their opinions but man it doesn't even matter anymore he's not here the one thing we all wanted wasn't here so really who cares <laughs> right, right. Just, just go on and do something different but always remember him and right you know with that he was towards the end was like you need to start your own gym called sean sprinkles big iron gym I'm like i'm not doing that it's not <laughs> sean sprinkles big iron gym I'm like no and then uh, he kept talking to me about, hey, I got some stuff, some equipment. I want to bring down and get somewhere to put it. Let's get this started. He was, like, pushing me really hard to do it. It's almost like he knew it was getting close to that right. time or something. But so when he did pass, I did feel at that point in time that, you know, I would like to keep going with what he shared me. And, and a lot of times it's not just the weightlifting, man. I mean weightlifting is weightlifting it's fun it, it 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 does a lot of good things for you it guides you with a lot of aspects in life but um and the people is the best thing about the whole thing and it could have been anything yeah you guys could all be rock climbing or hiking yeah, or riding mattered. a bike or something it's all it would wouldn't be any different you'd all be together you'd all have a coach you'd all be striving for something and that's it right, right? there that, that's what made it what it was i mean it's just like a whole family a whole team all behind each other, you know, that made it what it was. And he was the leader. Yeah. When, when he, when he passed, I mean, did you, did you even really ever think about powerlifting again? Or was that, you're just like, that's it. Did you think about, I'd like to do another meet kind of like in his memory kind of thing or. I started training for a meet after that to try to help keep it going. And I think mainly it was just to kind of help keep it going. And then I kept getting hurt all the time during even that training. And I'm like, man, you know what, man? I can just, I don't have to do this. It doesn't feel the same anyway without him. Right. And my body had been needing a break because it was just, I was getting hurt every training cycle anyway for the last couple of years. But, um, you know, like Rick said, he felt like he was living through me at that time. So I was like, there's no way I could take a break. Right. But then when he passed, I felt like I kind of, I feel like I can take a break now mm. and I can step away a little bit and then right. and then i just really didn't have the same desire to step back up because i'm not doing it with the one biggest part that i like doing it i mean right. i like i love powerlifting i love it right but man i really loved it with that guy right. and that team you know and when it wasn't the same anymore it was easier to go you know what man let's let's try some bodybuilding or something new and let's let your body heal up and just try something different 
and I kind of wanted to try a different avenue anyway, because it was like, okay, I've done this thing, and I've done well at it. Let's try something else, and let's challenge yourself to but see what if he, you can do good at something else. But what he thought of uh, the uh, bodybuilding. He would have made fun of me every day about <laughs> it. You know that. That's why you're laughing. <laughs> he would have made fun of me every day. Oh, like, oh, man. My, yeah, he would have been like, oh, my God, what do you? what's become of you? Yeah, right? that was a setup question. You already knew that. <laughs> well, he totally would have. Man, he had made so much fun of him, but... I was pretty good at maybe giving a little bit back to him too. And then he would just smirk and then he would shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah what, looking at some, uh, got some video of you, uh, doing a bodybuilding show. How many, how many times you compete in bodybuilding? Oh, I've done four or five shows. Um, just a total different world, but I enjoy it. It's just a, a different challenge, completely different challenge. Did you, uh, <laughs> were you kind of, um, in shock on kind of like uh were you in shock in terms of like how like how fat you used to be even though you weren't fat like <laughs> yeah. like you weren't a fat guy like you you didn't have a lot of excess body fat especially for a power lift you really had none but being like a contest prep bodybuilder being on stage uh in comparison to your bot your powerlifting days is way different right oh yeah completely different like oh shit I mean, man like, i was fat as hell oh yeah man it's like you used to think like oh if i could see a couple abs i must be getting kind of lean right right <laughs> <laughs> underneath all those other layers yeah you know? right but yeah i mean this is just it's so far to the to the next level you know doing the shows yeah. i mean you've been through the same thing i mean yeah you know as soon as i mean even the first time of really dieting down to where you could like see a couple abs you're right. like oh man i'm feeling pretty good i feel like i must be getting kind of lean and then your coach or whatever is thinking, man, you got so far to go. And you're like, really? <laughs> you're like, yeah, you got a long ways to go. <laughs> and when you take it down to that, to that complete next level where you're conditioning, you learn what that really means, what conditioning really means. Yeah. It's, it's like, there's nothing left. It's a, it's an interesting look cause it, you can't replicate it. There's no way to fake it. But if somebody's wearing like, even what I'm wearing right now, someone's wearing like a long sleeve uh, jacket type of thing. You can see just how hard their body is right through the damn jacket. It's almost like you, you put a jacket over top of a, of a, uh, like refrigerator or something. It's just, yeah. it's just stiff and you can see the lines and everything. And it's, uh, it's amazing to, to get your body that lean like that. It's, it's really, uh, difficult. How did you adapt to, you know, the changing up the training and stuff like that? At first I felt like I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I'm like, I don't want to fail on anything. I want to always want to be able to get my weights up. What are you talking about? And then I learned that, um, I remember one time I was training legs with Todd Smith. He kind of helped me through um, my first couple shows. And he made sure I failed. We'll put it that way. I remember being on the hip sled. And I mean, I did like 30 reps. I had like loaded on both sides. And it's like, he was just purposely wanting to go, this isn't powerlifting. So I was like, I think he was like laughing watching me do this and then he's like i got a number in my head i've already done like 20 30 reps you know and he's like 20 more and i was so pissed off that he said that i'm like i thought i had three left i'm like dude i got like three left and he's like 20 more and i'm like i was so mad that i ended up doing that but my legs were just shaking all <laughs> over the place the whole machine was shaking right and then he was just laughing like when i got done thinking huh <laughs> what an idiot probably like right 
his brain is something wrong with it, you know? <laughs> Our boy, but, uh, JP, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just thought you were done. Uh, he was asking, what was the difference in body weight from walking on stage to uh, competing powerlifting? Like the first time or? Just in general, like, were they, like, substantially different? Um, Not very much. I mean, yeah. like, really? Like, so I would, like I said, I would get up to, like, 217 around there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, like. My bodybuilding show, like my first one, I think I was around 192 on stage. So, like, really, that's not a lot of weight to cut. And then even, like, my last show, I was, like, 196 on stage. So, it wasn't a lot of weight, but you just filled out right. And it, mm. the diet is just, it's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, there's so much that goes into it. The uh just a change in body composition is, is really wild. Cause I, I mean, I weigh very similar to what I weighed on stage, but I don't look anything similar. Like mm-hmm. my body fat percentage definitely going up. Have you had a hard time with that? Like, you know, you get in good shape for these shows and then like, you just can't, doesn't really make sense for your body just to stay there all the time. It probably wouldn't be a smart move. Is that hard for you to deal with a little bit, chubbing out a little bit in between? Not at all. I mean, really, I, it doesn't bother me a bit. And I think it does for a lot of people. They think, yeah. well, man, I need to see all these abs. And, <laughs> right. and it's like, how, do you want to look the same the next time you go up there? I mean, there's always like the goal. Like, what is your goal for the next time? Because then we got to figure out on how to get there. Right. And if it's like getting, you know, I don't think you should get too far out of the box. Yeah. But you have to be just a little bit so you can get some good growth. And, and I'm not saying look sloppy or anything. I'm just saying you can still look good but you're not going to look like you did on stage and where that where that is for everybody is probably a little different depending on how much muscle mass they need to put on but it didn't bother me a bit man i had no problem <laughs> just going right back to full feed eating man i i cut down my lightest cut was i made the middle weight once mm. 176 i had to get down to shit and i was like 185 the day before oh my god and i'm like well i'd done this diet the whole time I'm like, okay well, this isn't no big deal dude i've cut like 24 pounds on a powerlifting meet in a day i'm like how about we just try and go all the way down i'm like i just decided the day before i want to make middleweight because i feel like i can just cut more and not thinking it's like dude it's not about that it's just looking the best up there you know right and i just felt like i didn't like hurt myself enough to like you know like you do when you do the big cuts yeah so i'm like man i gotta i gotta dig in i gotta go harder just stupid but anyway, so I went to middleweight and weighed in at 176, but man, like a month and a half later, I was almost to 230. <laughs> Shit. I mean, like gained that weight quick. Wow. Yeah, that is a huge That's guess. the heaviest I've ever been, but I didn't look like I did when I was powerlifting. Right. It, I didn't look the same. When you were powerlifting, did you eat pretty good then? <laughs> I thought I did. <laughs> I mean, I just... You know, I tried to keep track mainly of my protein because right. I didn't, man, I didn't know anything about nutrition really. Like I thought, you know, I thought, man, I just know I need to take in a lot of protein and I ate whatever else I wanted. Fast food and I, things like that. Yeah. I, yeah. And I'm, I didn't like really eat. I never was a real fast food eater, right? but I just ate a lot of fatty stuff or, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't eat bad necessarily. I just, right. I kept track of my protein and everything else was just extra. Do you I, think it would have mattered that much? I mean, who knows, really? Yeah. I mean, who really knows? But, I mean, I would have liked to known than what I know now. <laughs> right. Because I could probably feel better, recover faster. Who knows if I could lift more? Who knows? It's it's an interesting thing because when it comes to body composition, um, 
you know, it's such a huge factor. What you eat is such a huge factor. And, uh, in terms of lifting heavy, you know, I'd say the verdict's out. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, I, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I, I've, I've read a lot of nutrition books before and I've heard a lot of smart people talk about nutrition and they can kind of say like, you know, the Krebs cycle and this thing and that thing and carbs do this and fat does that. I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of big heavy lifters lift some crazy, crazy weights. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, and I, I know that they've all done it different ways. Some guys are kind of like steak and potatoes. Some guys eat pure junk. Some guys don't eat hardly at all. Eric Spoto had the uh, all time bench record for, uh, for a few years there, he, he didn't really eat much. He ate like soup. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's like, how the hell do you keep your size? You know, he Jeez. had like protein shakes and soup and it's like, you know, each person is so different and I've seen people blast up some huge weights. Um, I mean, I remember being at Westside and I think they like tried to survey everybody. They were trying to get an idea of like, you know, what kind of protein these guys take in. And you figure most of those guys are 300 plus pounds. So you'd figure the minimum would be you know, about 300 grams a day. A lot of these guys were getting in like a hundred grams, 200 grams, you know, like they, they weren't even tracking that. Like they had no regard for any of that. And they, they broke all time world records, you know? So I guess, I guess the real question would be, you know, could it have potentially made you better? You know, maybe, but I guess there's a potential it could have made you worse too. It's true. You never know. I mean, the only way to know is by doing it both ways Yeah. while you're at that level. Right. You know? And that's not going to happen. <laughs> how do you, how do you eat now? You know, for now, like since you're, you're, you don't, you don't have a bodybuilding show lined up no. and you're, you're not, you're done powerlifting. So what's the food like nowadays? Really? I'm not really keeping track of everything. And, you know, as you know, well, people think they're doing one thing when they start tracking what they're eating, then they realize, oh my gosh, you're right. man, I'm not eating that much. Or I thought I was eating this many grams of protein and carbs and it's like, man, and fat. They really, a lot of times people didn't realize they were having that much fat. Mm. Um, but now I, I mean, I'm not getting ready for something and I've done this for so kind of long. I just kind of in my head, just kind of do it. But right. I mean, my meals just are self-aware. Yeah. I'm just self-aware and there's no certain numbers I have to hit, but I, I eat four to five times a day and have a couple protein drinks and I just have a balanced mm. diet. You know, I have protein, carb, fat with every meal. And I, it's just balanced diet. I don't, I don't, not keeping track of anything. I go off more or less how my body's feeling. Right. And if I want to change it, then I'll go in there and then I'll get to a point where I'll go, okay, I'm going to start doing this now. And then I'll, I'll kind of have a plan. It's a, it's a great place to be nutrition wise, because a, as you go through some powerlifting, as you go through some bodybuilding, as you start to acquire more knowledge and start to have a better understanding of, of how you feel with these foods, you tend to lean towards healthier choices anyway. So like, I just don't, the consequence of eating that, not so much about like gaining body fat necessarily, but it's just about, I don't really don't want to eat that because it's just not going to make me feel very good. You know, I don't want to go yeah. smash a bunch of pizza because it's just going to, I don't know, occasionally, yeah, you, you want to just let that go and just do it. But mm-hmm. Have a cheat meal and just... 80%, you know, 90% of the time, you're probably going to be eating something relatively healthy, I'd imagine, right? I don't know about for you, but like, I could tell, like, I mean, as I am getting older, like if I have like sugar or I mean, my my joints my body does not feel the same yeah it just it, my body doesn't feel good even if i could have that stuff i just would choose not to just because i don't like the way i feel i think a lot of that has to do with getting older and i think a lot of that has to do with going through that bodybuilding stuff i really do yeah. i think that that 
that showed me that I was, <clears throat> I mean, when I was powerlifting, I was crazy about it and I, I felt like I was all in, but with bodybuilding, you couldn't take your eye off the ball for a split second. I mean, it's, it was a 24 seven commitment. So when I look back at my powerlifting career, I kind of say like, you know what? Now that I think about it, I think I was like 60% in, you know, because yeah, you I could get away with a lot. Yeah. I, I could have went harder. Like I could have ate more meals. I could have, I could have tweaked things a little bit and I could have been, I mean, you could always look back and say you could have done something better. Right. But the, the, uh, bodybuilding show, I think really kind of taught me like, holy shit, man. Like this is what it's like. Precise. To, yeah. This is what it's like to be all in on something. And if you're powerlifting and you're listening to this right now and you think you're all in, I mean, you got to check off all the boxes. You can't, uh, you can't discard any of them. You know, are you drinking? Are you not sleeping properly? Are you not hydrating properly? Are you not recovering? You know, these are all things. Are you not doing your mobility work? Cause the mobility stuff, you know, I'm not a, I don't mess around with it. I don't warm up a lot. I usually just squat, but if I was smarter, I would incorporate some mobility stuff because that stuff's going to help you recover faster from your workouts and it's going to help you to get in better positions, period. So it just, you, again, you have to, you have to really check off all those boxes if you want to consider yourself that you're all in. Yeah. And how long do you want to plan on doing it for? That's another thing. And what you said in the beginning of the show was like, you can't do it one time, you know, doing it one time. That's not great. Like that's good. Rick always would say, it might've been a fluke. I don't know. You only did it once or twice. Eh, it might've been a fluke. You need to do it more times. I actually remember him saying <laughs> that he said, he's like, you want people when you're done, you want people to know like, yeah, that guy squatted over a thousand pounds, like a bunch of times, like not just once. You want to be yeah. able to say, I did it over 10 times. Like it's just, it, it means that you hung in there for a while. Yeah. It must means you must've been for real. Like, it's not like you uh, only had the guts to like, try this the one thing one time and you had a pretty good run for two or three years. It's like, no, man, that was a decade. Like yeah. that was a, a 10 year time span, probably from when the time you started to the time you kind of exited was probably close to 10 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of truth to all that, you know, right. and it's just like we were talking about, it's like the way you look at things. And that's one of the way I look at it. How many times did you, were you consistent at doing it? You know, and that's why when I named certain people that I looked to in powerlifting, it's like they were consistent for a long time. They weren't just one hit wonders, you know? So I think that's kind of a way to measure up like how you did. How, uh, how in tune were you back then when you were hitting these thousand plus pound squats with like the way that you felt going into the lift, like where to put your foot, where to have the bar on your back? Oh man. You know, you, obviously it's a learning, learning progress every me, you know, right. When you think you got something figured out, you didn't, you, you get <laughs> right. humbled pretty quick, but like, obviously Towards the end, the, the reason why the numbers were there is because everything was more precise. Everything was the same every time. And the last couple of years, that's, that is how I felt. I felt so much confident. So like talking about even being nervous or anything, man, I really wasn't even nervous at the end. I was actually like, I felt like it was a training day <laughs> with a bunch of cool other guys that are doing <laughs> the same thing I'm doing. And man, they can lift a lot too. So this is cool that we're all doing this together. It wasn't like, oh, I'm at this meet and I got to hit these numbers. And what if this happens? Man, I didn't even think about that stuff. It didn't even cross my, my brain anymore. Mm. It was more like, cool, man. I remember standing out at like uh, Worlds and where was it? In Florida somewhere. 
And I remember just like, it was like a thousand eight. I was going to do on like a second attempt. And I just remember looking at the bar and looking past the crowd thinking, man, this is going to be cool. These guys are going to watch me do this thousand eight. This is going to be fun. And then just going up and doing it. Like there was no stress. It was just like, this is going to be fun, you know? Right. But everything had to be perfect. And obviously that took a lot of time and a lot of new lifters. It's not like there's just some freak that comes out there and he's just born squatting a thousand. I mean, it took me time and a lot of, I bombed out several times, mm -hmm. man. I had a lot of hard learning lessons, but I just continued to stay after it and want to get everything precise and, and to know like everything has to be precise and, and why you miss something is probably because of out of position or loosening up areas or you, to know why you miss something. So then you can fix it and then that makes you better. So you can, you can come away from a meet and have a bomb out meet and take away something good. Right. And keep that positive note of, you know what, I'm not going to let this happen to you because I know what I did wrong. And then the next minute you do better because of that. So it's, it's always taking away those tools and to make you better. You know, It does take a long time. I remember I was down in, uh, in Texas and I was at the Onnit Academy and uh, there was this kid squatting and he squatted like 765 for like three reps super young and I, I i always tell people look man it takes a decade to be good at anything like you just, just to even be just good like forget about mm -hmm. great for a second just to be good at something it takes 10 years i don't yeah. care what it is it takes about yeah. 10 years every once in a while someone will have a, a special learning curve and they'll come along a little faster but it takes about a decade and so this kid nailed this huge squat and i was like man that kid's really young i'm like maybe my 10 year thing's not holding <laughs> up on this kid you know and uh uh, so I asked the kid how old he is and he said 17 and then his dad was there and he goes, yeah, good thing I started him when he was seven. And I was like, there we go. I was like, yes, the decade thing is holding up. <laughs> You're high-fiving yourself. <laughs> yeah. They're looking at you like, what's yeah. wrong with this guy? <laughs> Where do you think the, uh, like your mindset of looking at the bar, seeing a thousand pounds, but then looking through it and being like, oh, this is going to be cool. Where does that come from? You know, I never really like looked at the weight and went, oh, wow, this looks heavy. I just remember almost like, I mean, it was on the bar. I didn't, you know, I didn't think about the weight. I was like, oh, this is going to be cool looking past and looking at these people. And they're all like staring at you like, you know, I want to see this happen. And you're the guy that's going to make it happen. You just feel like, all right, this is going to be awesome. And just in your head, I think when you have that way of thinking, you've done it a million times. So it's, you don't, I don't, if you put a thought of, I don't, I think something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. <laughs> but if you yeah. tell yourself something cool and great is going to happen, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Especially once you've done it a number mm -hmm. of times. I mean. Hey, speaking of that, we've been talking a lot on this podcast about this guy right here, Bo Jackson. Bo knows. Bo knows Bo. <laughs> and we actually know someone that knows Bo. You got the hookup? I got the hookup, man. He's right here, 6'6". Six, six. He's ready. He's going to make that call. We're going to get Bo on here. Damn. We've been talking about it for years. <laughs> it's going to happen. So he used to work with Bo Jackson, right? Yeah, my buddy used to work with Bo, the selling meat and whatnot. And uh, yeah, he's got his phone number and he'll just call him up. And, hey, there we go. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, what's tell, up, him we, tell him we want to buy his meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll hey, leave that to my buddy to hey, do that. Hey, Bo, we want to check out your meat. Yeah. He'd Bryce, like, call him up. Heard a lot about this meat you got. <laughs> and he'd be like, man. If I had a dollar for every time I heard something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, That's geez. terrible. Uh, somebody was asking about, um, you know, because you were able to stay lean, lean-ish, even though when you were trying to pack on a bunch of weight for, you know, your powerlifting and stuff. Is there, 
any tips on anything for like a power lifter to do some cardio but not lose so much uh strength in the middle of it i mean you both can answer this one but it's just tough because like we 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 usually get from chicks like hey how do i gain muscle and lose fat and then dudes it's like how do i drop size but not lose strength you want me to go first? Go for it. Yeah. What what I would say for me is it's really going to be more about their diet. Because I can get you to look, I mean, you're not getting ready for a show, so we don't need to go do any crazy cardio. And I hate doing cardio. So I can get pretty lean without doing any cardio. Just it's it's calories in and out. So like maybe in their workout, I mean, they need to track out how many calories they're burning during their workout. Maybe they could be pushing themselves a little bit harder and then keeping track of their macros and, and their calories and what kind of calories are coming in and out. And if they can actually start tracking that, because a lot of times they're really not tracking it. They're just thinking, well, I'm eating pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I, I eat good. They then, say it all the time. I eat pretty clean. <laughs> and then I and then I say, hey, write down everything that went in your mouth today. <laughs> and then they're like, well, I did have this. Yeah. And then they start writing it down. Like, ooh, okay, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. <laughs> right. You know. So I mean, like, you can be in shape and still be strong without doing a bunch of cardio and look fairly lean. Mm. You know, and the more muscle you put on your body, obviously it's it's going to be easier. Yeah. Do you think there's like a, a happy medium as far as like body type these days now? Like between, I mean, you look at Larry Wheels, he's a freak. <laughs> look at like, all the muscle he's got on. Yeah. Like, I mean, what's, what do you guys think is the most optimum then? I think it's different for every person. Mm -hmm. And I think you'd almost, uh, you'd have to, it's just, it's, it, it, one diet probably doesn't fit for everybody depending on how they want to get from A to B. So, I mean, that's when, like, a personal, like, program comes in for a person. Like, if they want to be specific, then let's get specific. Right. And let's make that up for you on what you want to, where you want to be and your goals. I don't, I don't think I can just throw a, a random answer out right. there for everybody that would fit for everybody. Yeah, I don't know if there's, like, an optimal body type. Like, I, 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 would, I would say that, like, uh, when you watch football, you know, the running backs are a particular size and they're not really too much different than that size. Uh, when you watch CrossFit, it's kind of the same thing. And you watch, uh, whether it's the males or the females, same height, same body type, same weight, wide receivers in the NFL, pretty much same thing. I mean, you got the guys that are shorter and you got guys that are taller, but they're all, they're all kind of long limbed. They're all fast. The defensive ends, whether it's, uh, you know, J.J. Watt or someone else, they're all like long, they're super athletic, but in powerlifting, you, you don't have that same common theme across the board. And I don't think, I don't think you have to be a particular body fat percentage to be more optimal in powerlifting. I would say that I guess you could be too high and too low. Mm -hmm. You could just be too fat, you know, where you're not, you're, you're, uh, too big and just, uh, maybe inefficient at a couple lifts just cause you're, you're your body's not, uh, can't move well enough and you can also potentially be too lean. Um, and that would, that may be, uh, an individual thing too, because if you're trying to stay lean all the time, even if it's just lean for you, then you might be opening up yourself to, uh, to some injuries. But I, I agree with what you said about the food. I just think that powerlifting probably doesn't require the amount of food that you might think. I think that's the one thing is like bodybuilding. There's a lot of exercise involved, a lot of movement involved. There's a lot of sweating involved, heart rates up, 
Um, and if you're not doing that in your powerlifting workouts, then, uh, you know, I can't make a determination on like how many carbs you need or how many of this or that, but in general, mm-hmm. y- you may not need an, a crazy amount of, uh, calories just to get the job done and to, uh, stay as lean as you want to stay. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you, you were, uh, you were in the military, right? And, uh, you mentioned to me, like, you told me some of these stories about, how you like you would just figure out a way to train and like you know they only they you were only allowed to train in like uh military issued stuff but you'd still wear like power briefs and different things like under your uniform and and that kind of stuff right yeah oh yeah i uh how long were you in the military and what branch were you in i was in the army in the national guard um for almost eight years Uh, right when i was about to get out they extended me and that's when we did the tour to afghanistan but yeah, when I was over there, you know, you have, you still have to wear a uniform, certain uniforms to do everything. Mm-hmm. But I just had like Rick send me over some power pants, you know, <laughs> so at least it could save my hips from being beat up and whatnot, but I could still train heavy without, you know, getting hurt hopefully, but it worked out good. You know, I mean, I happened to be stationed in Kandahar Air Base and at that time it was, oh man, there's only been like, there was a 25th ID. Um, they were there before us, mm. so they were the only ones there. So they were there for like, I don't know, seven, eight months, and then we got there. So there wasn't a lot there yet. But they did have, it was one of the only places where they had like a gym, a tent. Sometimes gym. they have a pretty nice gym sometimes, it was, right? Yeah, they had, I mean, they had a lot of stuff there. I mean, out of any of the places I could have went, I landed at the place that had a, a good, decent gym. And it was awesome because I was like, man, what's the chances of this? I thought, man, <laughs> I've already been training at Fort Leonard Wood, Texas, uh, or uh, Fort Hood, Texas for, you know, it was like three and a half months that we had done that training before we went over to Afghanistan. So I hadn't lifted a weight in like three and a half months and I'm feeling like crap. <laughs> and uh, I got sick right when I got over there and lost <laughs> weight and it was just terrible. And then they end up having a, a, a bench press competition. <laughs> The week after I got sick and everybody's like, you need to do that. And I'm like, <laughs> I haven't lifted weights in three and a half months. <laughs> and it was a transition point. So it might like, be under that 315 level oh, that you want. Oh man, <laughs> I felt like I was going to be, especially after being sick. But like, so we were just coming in. Well, the 25th ID and then there was the Navy and Marines. They were shipping out as we were shipping in. So there was a lot of people on that base at that time. And then like a lot of the SF guys, special forces. So they had this meet while everybody was in transition. So I'm like, okay, fine, I'll do it. Everybody must've got hyped you know? up for that, right? Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. And I was, the timing was the worst. I mean, <laughs> but they're all my buddies are like, no, Franco, you gotta do that meet. So I'm like, all right, man, I'll do At it. At this point, you're already accomplished power lifter, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I go and I do it and I hadn't lifted weights in almost four months and ended up benching like 425. And ended up winning uh, against a couple other guys. That, I mean, I, they look like they could have benched a lot more. Right. Um, but I don't know how it happened. <laughs> I don't know how I did that after not training at all and doing a total different type of military training. You're out doing stuff all day. and Running and stuff different. like that. Yeah, I wasn't good at that stuff very <laughs> much. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I was over there for a year in Afghanistan. And then whenever I got back, I was done, done. Right. Normally, I have to do two years inactive, but I was done. And and when you were, when you were uh, there, were you able to like kind of regain some of your strength? Were you able to kind of get get yourself mm-hmm. back in shape with uh, squatting in the briefs and stuff like that? Yeah, I, 
you know, I called Rick. He'd kind of tell me what to do once a week and keep me on track. And man, I would hear what everybody else is doing back home. And I'd be so mad that I couldn't be <laughs> doing it. So I remember one time, um, they were doing a meet one weekend and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to max out that same week that they're doing their meet. So, um, that week I'm like getting ready to do my little max out on everything. And when I'd come into the tent, a lot of people, they'd know me by that time. And they're like, well, what time are you doing your squats this day or lifts on certain right. days? So they'd come in and watch, you know? And so I went in there that day and I mean, it felt like for me, it felt like a meet yeah. because man, I had so many people and they're like <laughs> all gathered around this squat rack, you know? And, um, you know, I did like, I don't know, like eight, eight oh five or something like that. Shit. And my briefs that day, you know, and I just stopped there, but like, everybody's like, man, how are you lifting these weights? And like, when I first got there, I did not look like that. Mm -hmm. and it was like starting over. Right. And like a lot of these special forces guys and whatever, they're just kind of like, yeah, you're just a, kind of a punk, whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden through every week, I'm getting stronger and stronger. And then all of a sudden they're coming up and they're like, Hey man, how are you doing that? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just training. So like, he's not, got briefs under his not, uniform. Yeah, I got briefs. Don't worry about it. Tackle it. <laughs> Shoot him. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so I, so like by the time I was getting ready to leave, man, like all my lifts were up. Like as far as even raw, like that was the first time I benched over 500 was over there. Wow. Um, deadlift, 700. I mean, all my lifts were actually up further than when I, before I got there or, just you know, before. Kind I of uh, maybe just because the um, concentration levels different and then just maybe limited, like just don't have the same resources, maybe get the workouts done quicker. Like, no, man, I just think I was pissed off. <laughs> I mean, honestly, and yeah. I had time, like when, when I went there, man, I had time to be there. I was done with whatever I was doing that day. And I just, I didn't, I felt at home when I was in the gym. That's the only other place I felt at home. Right. So I wanted to stay in the gym. And then I was thinking about what I'm not getting able to do right now that I could be doing. So I'd go hard. Right. So like before, when we left Afghanistan, we flew back into Texas to do our demob, and we were doing our demob. Um, it was the weekend of senior nationals mm -hmm. in Detroit. Did you go to that, that year? I didn't go. I don't think, no. Well, that's where it was. And I knew about it cause you know, the rest of the team was going there and I said, Hey, um, is there any way that you guys could just fly me to Detroit instead of home? And then they wouldn't let me do it. <laughs> and I didn't trained in my gear or anything at that point. I was right. just like, I'll just have Rick bring it and right. I'll, I'll work it out. And I'll just, sure. I just want to show up there. I want to do that me. So. Obviously, they didn't let me do it, and I couldn't do it, which was probably a good thing overall. <laughs> right. But that's why that next year at Senior Nationals that you did, mm -hmm. that meet meant a lot to me because that was one year after I'd been home and uh. that same weekend, and I wanted to be there the, the previous year but couldn't. Right. So, like, that meet was, meant a lot to me just because I wanted to be there so bad. I've been thinking about it that whole year before and then a second year mm. before I actually got to do it. Yeah, and that, that meet that was in Vegas is the one that you guys have seen in Bigger, Stronger, Faster. And, um, I mean, that was crazy. That was like, that was there was a lot of great lifters in that contest, and that was a lot of fun. It was like, I had like 22, I think about everybody had like 20 to 22 people in their weight class. Every yeah. weight class. Yeah. It was a long day. But, you know, what I liked about back then is you had to have a qualifying total to get to yeah. seniors. And it was hard. And the top what, standards three, were good. Yeah. I mean, and then even when you got to seniors, you had to place in the top three or four to go to like a world's or 
and then to the WPO semifinals from the semifinals, then you'd get to go to the finals and go to the Arnold. So like you had to like work your way up. You couldn't just like, Oh, I got a good total over here. So I'm in. Right. It's like, no, it ain't going to work that way. You got to work your way up. I like that. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was an interesting time. You know, I, I, there was something about those meets and like the WPO finals and stuff like that. That was, it was just really special. There was something to it where it was like, I don't care what you wear and I don't care what you do, like do and wear whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Let's just throw down and let's see who's the strongest. Yeah, it was like and a fight. Just bring was, whatever you want. Let's go. <laughs> and it was crazy. I mean, it would get intense. I've seen, you know, you'd see uh, blood shoot out of people's noses. Uh, obviously, bloody shins. That happens quite a bit at meets because the bar scrapes you up. But, I, I mean, you just see all kinds of crazy stuff Snapping going on. Snapping bones, some arms, some mm-hmm. legs. Yeah, I mean, it was intense. It was pretty cool. I mean, at that one meet at the Senior Nationals in Vegas, that's the meet when Chad... Big Chad Ikes dumped the weight behind him, and it, I think it jacked the guy's finger up. Like, I might have lost his finger. His finger got yeah. slammed really hard, or I don't know exactly what happened to that guy, but <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't good. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't good. And I remember when that Mike Brown from Westside was benching, and he, yeah. he could just hear his uh, form just breaking half. It was like a twig broke. He was like... You know, I remember that was com- that started getting more common. Like people were breaking their forearms all the time. I'm like, am I gonna break my forearm? Like, what's going on here? I actually had one of my guys happen to them, but he was squatting. Wow! And his broke, and he over the last year he came back, and and now he's good. That's crazy. Break yeah, your forearm squat. <laughs> break your forearm squatting. Mm-hmm. How does that even happen? Like, I'm sure he had <laughs> it had had damage already mm-hmm. in it. You know, some splints in the bone, and that just. He was doing like a, I don't know, was like 955 or 1,000 reverse band set, and he did his first rep, went to go to do the second one. Before he even did the second one, the thing just snapped. Oh, And just completely in half compound. That's yeah. crazy. What's one of the crazier things you've seen? Because, I mean, that, that gym's intense. Big Iron Gym was really intense. What are some of the, obviously, you lifted a lot of weight, but, like, what about some of the other guys or something crazy or wild that you saw happening I there? mean, in the gym or in any, any powerlifting meets? I, yeah, either one. We'll go with either one. I like that that Benedict Magnuson, you know, when him and Andy Bolton were oh, yeah. going back and forth, like we were talking about in uh, in Finland there. That year I went to Finland. And that was probably one of the most intense uh, lifts I've seen. I mean, I've seen, you know, quite a few. But that one I remember, like that guy looked a little different in his eyes when he came up with that way. Yeah, it was Benedict like a 970 is... pole or something. And that guy was just strong deadlifting guy, man. He... He pulled it up, and Jeez. as he's pulling it up, like, blood is just running down his own. You can't even see it in the video. Like, you watch it on YouTube. You really can't see it like it was. Right. But, I mean, it was coming down like a faucet. As he was straining up, the blood is just running like a faucet. And then he gets it and, and stands at the top, like, looks both ways, puts it down, and then jumps in the air. I mean, this guy's like 300-plus pounds, and, I mean, the guy can actually jump. I was like, this guy looked like he could run through a brick wall right now if, like, he wanted to. It it was intense, but you just, you see it in the guy's eyes more when you're there and you can see it in the guy's eyes. I mean, he looked like he could just run, literally run through a wall. That was pretty if, cool. I don't know if anybody will catch his thousand fifteen, but uh, you know, I know that, uh, Thor is going to do a powerlifting meet coming up. I saw him do eight eighty one for some reps the other day, but I don't know, like a thousand, thousand pound deadlift, be able to hold that thing in your hands. There's only been two guys to do it powerlifting style i think it's just yeah. been bolton and him right yeah but now we got some real freaks there's some guys lighter weight guys that are 
lifting like 900 pounds. I mean, you got Larry Wheels, so you have uh, Kaler Woolham. Kaler Woolham, I think, has done 947. That's insane. And I think he competes at 220. Oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, there's, Here's the there big man. This is always fun to watch. You want to get fired up for a workout? Watch watch Benedict Magnuson hit up oh, yeah. some uh, deadlifts. And he has this thing where he pulls on his shirt. Right here. <laughs> and he runs up to it. Like, he, he, he tippy-toed. Yeah, he tippy-toed. Yeah, you don't see that. You don't see he, big guys being able to tippy-toe. He I, snuck up on the weight to trick it, you know, to catch did. it off guard. <laughs> well, he did it. Well, he did so... it. <laughs> Shit, man. And he, he had more in him. Like, that was not a max out. So he, he's, he's told me about this before. He said that. He said that everything was just right with this scenario, like where he was living, where he was training, I guess like where he currently lives, where he currently resides. It's just, you can't get that good a quality of food. It's just harder or maybe it's more expensive. Okay. But I think for this meat, he might've lived in the U S for a while and he was able just to, to eat really well and to get big and, and feel really strong. But he said for most of the time, he didn't get the opportunity to eat those kind of foods. I mean, it's so for him, it, that must have made a big difference with his uh, with his lift. I mean, fuck, a thousand fifty in your hands. Yeah, it's wild. That's nuts. Have you ever handled uh, nine hundred pounds in a bench or a um, or a thousand pounds in a bench? Um, yeah, like off I have of boards or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I've handled a uh, nine hundred to a half board, um, and I've handled up to nine seventy five off a two board. Whew, most I've handled in my hands. But it, once it's heavy, it just all feels the same. You know, it's just, it all feels heavy. <laughs> yeah, it starts. It starts to be uh, just kind of a relative thing at a certain point. Yeah. What is uh, what is something that like um, drives you? You know, you you've powerlifted for a long time. You did bodybuilding for a long time. You've run into a lot of injuries, but you had to you know keep kind of overcoming them. You know, what is something that has kind of led you to to keep going back and to keep working on getting better? Um. I think just uh, just being your absolute best, and and if you don't think that you've reached that yet, then you kind of feel like you cheated yourself. And I didn't ever want to leave that on the line, thinking like, well, you could have tried harder. I didn't ever want to leave that behind, saying like, well, you could have done these things and you didn't do them. Like so, like, and if you know that, well, why aren't you doing them? So I would always end up doing more and more and more. And sometimes that actually wasn't good too. So that's where it's good to have a coach. Right. Because Rick knew like, oh, you, something's not right today. Let's shut you down. And maybe I would have like kept going and that would not been a good thing. So sometimes it's not always more is better. It's the right amount is the best. Right. You know? But I just didn't want to leave anything saying like, I knew I could have done something better and I didn't do it. No matter what it was, if I was doing a bodybuilding show, like you know what it's like, yeah, like, you know when you're tired and you're like, man, I, man, just one minute, I can get off of here and maybe just do one less interval. I mean, like, what's the difference, right? The difference is you'll know, <laughs> right? And then I would kill myself for <laughs> right. doing that. Right. And I think that's an internal thing. Like in my own head, I'll know, and I just I can't cheat myself. So when you don't place like how you like, then I would just be like totally killing myself inside. Like, well, that was your choice. You took choose to take the easy route right and i would beat myself up so i'm just like i don't even want to hear myself chew myself out so i'll just go ahead and do it <laughs> right it's easier to do that when you were uh when you switched over to bodybuilding you probably thought like oh this will be you know different and i i'm not going to get hurt bodybuilding because you know powerlifting looks dangerous and you're handling these big weights but you ended up with some injuries bodybuilding too man i had more <laughs> i had more 
like I said, like the, my first show, like two weeks out, I tore my sartorius and my quad uh, two weeks before the show. I mean, the thing was black and blue from my growing to my uh, ankle. I mean, good thing that bodybuilding uh, spray is so Yeah, the dark tanning spray, yeah. It's so dark because, man, my whole leg looked black and blue, you know? And it was holding water. It was terrible. But anyway, it was just, uh, I've had a lot of those injuries because I'm like, you want to do four reps. I mean, those four reps, oh, those are the growing reps. So like, let's go to complete failure. <laughs> right. And then, uh, and that would took an adjustment because like learning to control that in your head, like, you know how it is, like you're doing these reps and stuff's burning and some stuff's hurting and you're like, oh man, I, I, I'm done. I got to put this down. And then normally that's the point where I'm like, okay, now learn how to control your brain and your muscles. Mm -hmm. And now is when you're going to start growing and it's very uncomfortable but learning to train in those uncomfortable ranges of rep range, those are the ones that are going to count the most. Those are the ones that no one else will do. That's when you're going to get the most out of it. My problem is it's a battle in my head. I'm like, well, you're going to quit now. I mean, like I'm, re I'm something's wrong with me. So then I would always tear something oh, off shit. and I'd go too long. Oh yeah. There's one of them right there. That was me. I was in the hospital for a week for that. Yeah. It's like black. <laughs> <laughs> that one's nasty, man. I tore my growing and my hamstring that time. Wow. I was in the hospital for a week. Well, I tore it squatting. And as soon as I got, <laughs> as soon as I got done, I'm like, well, it's already torn. So I put a uh, knee wrap around my leg and I finished my leg workout, not thinking, well, it's still bleeding internally, dummy. So I go home. By that time, my whole hip and my my whole leg and my hip is being twisted because there's so much blood that's formed up, and there formed a hematoma in it. So I was in the hospital for a week. That was one of my not so smart moments, I guess. Do you think that uh, you know, as you switched to bodybuilding, you could have maybe just used a little bit less weight and done like tempo type stuff, like, or or are you kind of like all or nothing? Well, it just wouldn't matter. So big deal. I do less weight. I would have done more reps. You still, yeah. And it would have still equaled the same thing. Probably would have happened. It wouldn't have mattered. I would have just done more. Right. Just because, oh, it's not hurting yet. It's not hurting yet. You know. Right. I don't know. There's something wrong up there. You so like now I need to push that off to somebody else and let these guys do it. Yeah. Let my power lifters, bodybuilders do it. So now you ha you uh, you do have a gym and you do coach people and stuff. And, and what's that like? What's that transition like? Oh, now? man, I love it, man. I mean... You know, it's powerlifters, it's bodybuilders, it's it's guys, it's girls, it's it's everybody. Um, it's normal people that just want to learn how to be in shape and live maybe healthier and feel better. So it's not just like it's big iron gym, just 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 the powerlifting gym. It's not. It's it's literally a little bit of everything. And what I like the best about it all is, man, I got some great people in the gym. I got the best members ever. I mean, everybody cares about what each other's doing, even if they're not doing the same sport or mm. doing what they're doing. I might have somebody that come in that's, they're 80 pounds overweight. Right. And I might have a power lifter come over to him and be like, man, it's good to see you here. I mean, it is so different. And yeah, that, that's cool. That, it's, it's awesome. I love it. Um, but when I get to see that stuff, that stuff is when people are helping people do that. I love that because they really genuinely do care about wh where they're going. And it's just the fact that they came in the door and they're willing to start right. their journey and whatever that is, you know, and they're for you. No, that's great. And it's something that uh, gets you out of bed every morning because you're fired up to go to work. That's, you know, that's your, that's what you do. And, and you surround yourself with good people and it's just fun. Yeah. I love it. I love it's, it. Uh, it's interesting when you get to that point in your life, because you're like, I didn't realize things could be like this. <laughs> 
and I'm like in the middle of like this. Like every thing, day is fun, like, right? Yeah, and it's just like, and you're helping people out in so many ways that you can't even imagine. Like you were saying earlier, you had a guy from overseas say, "Man, I yeah. wanted to kill myself, and today I wanted I entered my first meet and I I went in this direction instead of that direction." Yeah, I mean, like I get those people too, you know, That's crazy. or people that are going through life struggles outside the gym but they come into the gym and they learn to funnel it different ways right and then they have people there that they can connect with and we're all going through this journey together and we all go through the same type of things but you just got help and right. we help each other through it and positive things happen in the meantime you know so that's awesome. what i love you got anything else over there andrew yeah well my first question was going to be just what gets you fired up today but it seems like just coaching and seeing other people progress seems to be that yeah i but, love it i love seeing the, the whole big picture of other people's lives developing whether it's them seeing somebody that you know well when you're in your shoes maybe it's hard for you to see you but on someone on the outside they can see the potential in you that maybe you can't see yourself and i like to bring out that best potential that, that, that I see in them. Mm -hmm. I've had some people like start their own businesses up that never really thought they could do that, you know? Um, but just those type of things, not just weightlifting. Mm -hmm. Um, have you ever coached anybody for getting ready for the stage bodybuilding? Oh yeah. 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 Man, I just coached a guy at Austin Bowman. Uh, he did his very first show. I don't know if you could. Oh, I can't pull it up. Yeah. yeah. But he did his first show and, uh, he actually won the overall, uh, bodybuilding did awesome. I got a gal that's actually a, a trainer, uh, Liddy Rudin, she's a trainer at my gym. Mm -hmm. She trains a lot of people, but I trained her for her show. Uh, she won the um, uh, physique um, class two years ago, I think it was. And then she went on to nationals. Um, man, I've, we've had a lot of, I've trained a lot of people at all different levels. That's cool. I know you have a couple of your guys right now in the chat room, and one of them asked, who's your favorite lifter in the gym right now? Huh. <laughs> Put you on the spot. <laughs> one of my guys said this? Yeah. Yeah. Let me guess on who that might be first. Well, I mean, he's under maybe a different screen uh, name, so who knows? Uh, I don't have a favorite. We have Aaron Lister. I was just going to say Aaron. That's so, who I was going to say. So, so what name? <laughs> uh, they, their screen name is just Cummins, so I don't know whoever that person could possibly be. I don't be, know, but, but it's Aaron Lister. I don't know <laughs> who that is. When, when I was going to guess, I was going to say, let me guess, Aaron Lister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, someone else named Todd, they asked, how do you stay positive through life's ups and downs? It seems like even since you walked in, you've been just like nothing but positive, like a cool vibe to you and everything. Well, hey, man, I'm human, man. I have my ups and downs just like anybody else. So mm -hmm. I'm not trying to put on this act that like I don't have any hard times. I've had plenty of hard times. But I choose to look at the positive side of everything that, that comes up against me. And, and I have, I mean, for me, like we talked about, it's my faith, man. It's my faith in God knowing that. I don't really run my life. God runs my life. And I trust that whatever he wants to have happen with me, he, he kind of brings me through it, you know? So I have strength through him, you know, and it might sound weird or whatever, but man, that's just what I live by. And it's, it's solid for me, man. Yeah. Do you have any uh, ambitions to compete again though? Man, I always do. Cause I love competing, man. Yeah, it's fun. But I, I just, um, I, right now, I don't have a plan to, like, compete at a certain time. But honestly, I kind of, oh, man, if I say this, my guys are going to get me going. But lately, you know, but training heavy with the, with the guys that just got done with this powerlifting meet, you know, I've been kind of training with, with them. And I've been training a little heavier than normal. And it's been fun. Maybe it would be fun to do a, another raw meet, but, like, not crazy. Like, 
<laughs> to the level that we used to yeah. do it at or anything, just kind of for fun. And then, yeah, maybe uh, do another show. I don't know. I just, I make random decisions now. I don't like set out like to have this long goal and do it. My my goals now are for my gym and for my people that I'm training. And it's it's really about them more than it is me. And so if I decide to do something, man, it's kind of like for fun. It's not like it used to be. Like, it's different. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yeah, when I uh, was talking to you earlier, I was like, yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I want to lift heavier and do certain things, but I just don't want to get obsessed. And when I said that, you just started laughing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Because right. it's not really possible. It's not. I mean, look, once you've, we've done the things we've done, it's like, yeah. well, okay, Mark, just go do this a little bit, okay? <laughs> just do this show a little bit, okay? Don't Don't go crazy. <laughs> Your wife would be agreeing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. She'd be like, yeah, right. You know my husband better than that. Right. <laughs> and same thing with like, you know, something like, you know, throwing on like a bench shirt. Like you can't really just throw on a bench shirt because it's like, you know, it, 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 it was something that you did with a real purpose for a really long time and you took it to a real extreme and then now to kind of throw one on, you're like, all right, well, I guess if we're going to put this thing on, then we're going to go back all the way, you know? Yeah, we're not going to go halfway. <laughs> yeah. Does feel gear good to put uh, gear on though? I I throw on some uh, briefs here and there for some squats and sometimes for some sumo pulls and it just it feels good. But for me, you know, my briefs are from when I was like three hundred plus pounds, so they're super <laughs> they're super loose, which is nice. But yours would probably be just as tight, if not tighter. Your legs probably got bigger from yeah. last time you threw that stuff on. Yeah, I think it'd be good though. I mean, like I have my guys use power pants. Mm -hmm. um, they're not tight. They're just a right. little to protect them through their um, training cycles. They take them off for the meat. Right. They still hit the same numbers. Yeah. I mean, they're not like these power, like the Predator briefs or yeah, anything like not, that. Yeah, they're not, not that extreme. They're just right. enough to keep you from feeling beat up. Right. So. Um, last question. Last question of the day. Um, what's something that you uh, would like to kind of carry on? Uh, that you saw in Rick that you thought was a good characteristic that he had. What's something that you want to try to, because I, I always think that's a good thing to do when someone passes, like what's some quality they had that was, you know, positive and what's something that you can kind of share with other people for myself, you know, my, my brother, when he passed on, you know, he kind of had this, my brother was rough around the edges like Rick too, mm -hmm. but, uh, my brother also did, he didn't take crap from anybody. And so like, I, I think for me, it's like, that's, that's one thing that I, could do a better job at. I mean, still today I'll let people slide when they say certain things or do, do certain things, but I, I kind of think about my big bro in those moments and, and say, Hey, you know what? Don't take that shit from somebody mm -hmm. stand up for yourself or, or say what's on your mind, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, like Rick was, uh, the big thing for Rick was always be who you are, no matter who you're around or no matter where you're at, be you. Don't, don't change who you are because of who you're around. You see that a lot of right. times. I think people, maybe it's insecurity or I don't know what it is. Yeah. But be you and just be you all the time. Don't be ashamed of that, you know? And that's right. how he was, man. It didn't matter if he was hanging around a, it didn't matter where he was. He was always Rick, you know? Yeah. He, he's like these biker guys and they all hang around each other. They're wearing biker stuff. Rick liked to ride motorcycles. He still wears shorts. Right. <laughs> he didn't care. You know what I mean? Right. He's was him. He didn't care what anybody else was doing. He's doing his, the way he does it. And that's what I really admired about him is he's who he is all the yeah. time, man. He's not a different guy every time you're around different people. Cool. All right. Strength is never weakness. Weakness is never strength. Catch you guys later. Thanks.